This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening. Welcome to the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. Tonight we'll be talking about celebrating Day of the Dead in Mexican schools and just about Day of the Dead in general. So text in. I'd love to hear from you. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hi everyone, so welcome again to the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley, and I'll just start off with a content warning for everyone here. I don't think it's too drastic, but just in case anyone is uh, sensitive or whatever, we are going to be talking about Day of the Dead, uh, a Mexican holiday. Also, we'll probably be talking about death a little bit, so if that's a, if that's a, an, an issue for you, it's probably best not to, to listen to it, but we're obviously going to be dealing with it in a sensible way, in a sensitive way as well. So hopefully it will be of benefit to you as well. So yeah, so to paint a picture for anyone who's not familiar with myself, I have taught in Mexican schools or Mexican international schools, I should say, uh, from 19, uh, sorry, from 1990, definitely not, from 2011 to 2015 and from uh, 20... 2019 onwards in two different uh, in British international schools in Mexico and I'm sure that a lot of people have heard of the holiday of the day of the dead it's become very very popular in the last 10-15 years outside of Mexico it's become kind of like a trendy thing and a fashionable thing and it occur it happens on the 1st and the 2nd of November so a week away from today and I thought it'd be a good time to sort of share with teachers around the world on Teachers Talk Radio what what is it all about? What? Do, how do we celebrate it here in Mexico? How you can celebrate it as well at home? And if you have any questions or any want any misconceptions cleared up, please text in. I'm always looking forward to hearing comments and questions, and I hope I can answer them as well. So, to sort of start off with, we'll talk about what Day of the Dead is and why it's celebrated and how it's celebrated. It's actually an old Aztec holiday and. I use the word Aztec, but I don't really like it. It's not actually commonly used outside of La uh, outside inside of Mexico. It's um, it's something that's uh, it's it's a little bit of like an anglicized word of things. So it's we would use the term Mexica, literally where the word Mexico comes from. Um, and it's a it's an old Mexica holiday that has been kind of adopted or adapted. To, uh, by the Spanish or the Catholic, uh, Catholic Spanish when they arrived several hundred years ago. So obviously similar to in the UK, how when Christianity was brought over to the UK, holidays such as uh, Yule and things like that, pagan holidays were kind of co-opted into Christian-based holidays. When the Spanish arrived and saw that the Mexica were celebrating or like remembering their dead and giving offerings to their dead it obviously was something that didn't quite fit in with the spanish out or the spanish colonialistic outlook on life but also the spanish realized that it was not something that they could get rid of completely and so they kind of co-opted it 
into All Saints Day or All Souls Day, which is why it happens around the same time as Halloween. I also want to preface this with this is I'm not an expert in this holiday, although I have celebrated this holiday for 10 years. So I may some say some things that are slightly inaccurate or slightly, you know, like, um, oh, what's the word? Slightly, I'm trying to think of the word, but slightly sort of anachronistic or something like that. So please don't scream at me or anything like that. This is just sort of also my interpretation as someone who really doesn't have uh, much of a religious background. Uh, comes from a different culture than Mexican culture, but has found this to be a really, really positive, uh, really, really meaningful holiday to them. So I may say something, this is just my interpretation, my perception, and my experience having taught in two different schools and also having family members who are now Mexican, who, who are Mexican. So yeah, so Day of the Dead is, is a day that we remember our loved ones who have passed away, who have died. And it's actually on two days. It's on the 1st of November and the 2nd of November. And the idea is that people, uh, your dead relatives, dead friends, dead family members, will the spirits of them will come and visit on those days. And there's actually two special days. November the 1st is for children or children who have died. Um, and November the 2nd is for adults who have died and they will come and visit on those days. And there's a lot of different traditions that Mexicans will take for granted, but there's also a lot of things that Mexicans see in media that actually doesn't happen, actually doesn't really happen. So a lot of the things that Mexicans will do is inside of the family, one of the things we'll do will be visit cemeteries of their fam family members, or friends, and it might be the only time that they visit the, uh, the cemetery in the year, or it could be the case that, you know, just like in the UK and other places, they visit on a regular basis or whatever, and they will go and uh, clean or look after the uh, clean or look after the offenders. I'm oh, sorry, clean or look after the uh, graves, make sure everything looks nice and sort of sit vigil with them as well. Uh, that would be one of the things. And it would be a family event as well. Like you would take the family and everyone would pitch in. My wife was describing some things to me and that you have like areas where water is available. So you can like polish and like clean headstones and tombs and everything like that. Um, and, you know, children would be sent off to go and get water and things like that. You'll leave flowers there and uh, loads of things along, along those lines. So that's one of the things that a lot of people do. Myself, I've not done this. I've visited cemeteries at that time, like uh, just to sort of see it more from like an outsider's perspective and people are very welcoming and it's a very sort of familiar atmosphere. People will sit vigil in the evenings as well. It can be a day event, but also people will sit vigil sort of like in the evenings as well. And when you imagine this, you think it could be a very, you think it could be a very sort of not creepy, but very sad, somber, solemn event. And it is serious, but there's also a kind of a celebration and a, and a sense of community when at, at these times as well. So it's a very kind of, it's a very difficult thing to explain to non-Mexicans basically until you've experienced it. But the best way I can explain it is it's just really healthy. <laughs> I think is the best way I can describe it. Uh, really, really healthy way of looking at um, looking at death, looking looking at, you know, remembering your family members, remembering your friends who have have died. So that would be one of the sort of main events that like people would do. But not every family will do this, but it's a lot of family members will a lot of people people's families will do this. Another thing outside of school that people will do is uh, remember or follow or construct something called an ofrenda and an altar. And I'll explain a little bit about this at the moment. Uh, so what so what we do um, in terms of an ofrenda, 
is it literally means an offering, an offering for the dead of people who have passed on. Um, and what some of the things that we would construct sort of like follow along these lines. Everything has to have a sort of a set structure. You can personalize it to your own amount, but the things that people would include in your ofrenda are the are sort of following things. It has to be an altar or kind of like a raised platform. So you can just build this out of anything. A lot of people just use tables and chairs and then just sort of tables, chairs, shelves, whatever, and you cover it with like nice cloths and tablecloths and things like that. And then the things that you would have to leave on it are the offerings that you give to the dead who are going to come and visit and essentially consume those things in theory. Okay. And so the things would be you leave skulls, and this actually comes from the old Mexica sort of tradition of leaving actual skulls out, like human skulls out on the altar, believing that the spirits would come back. Obviously, we don't do that anymore. So what we do nowadays is we either have the like ceramic skulls or things like that, or skulls made out of sugar or chocolate or something like that. And they're just put into a mold. And we call these uh, calaveras. And I'm also going to apologize in advance. If my pronunciation is terrible, I really apologize. My dyslexia will kick in and I'll really, really struggle with pronouncing things. So yeah, uh, we leave out skulls, sugar skulls and things along those lines. Another thing that we'll leave out is called pan de muerto, which literally means bread of the dead. And this is one of the like famous holiday foods associated with Day of the Dead. So it normally comes out in shops around a month before and you can consume it. It's really, really tasty. It sounds really, really gross, but it's actually really, really tasty. It's like a sweet bread, like a pastry almost. It's very, very fluffy, slightly dry bread that's covered in sort of like a very fine granulated sugar. And it has a very, very sweet taste, but also a very sort of hint of flor like floral notes to it and we call it bread of the dead because it has little bones on it or like bread carved in to look like bones when you look at it you can see these like little notches on them and they're supposed to represent the bones of the dead one of my students actually was telling me the history of this and he said that it actually probably comes from um a catholic tradition where you would go to church and you would pray to churches and you would pray to specific saints and those saints would you know you would pray to specific relics of saints and it could be you know like the relic would be a bone of that saint or something along those lines and the more you prayed or the more you went and prayed the church would give you bread to encourage you to go and pray so that's probably where the panda muerto uh, comes from it's really really tasty and not often it's kind of like treated almost like a a pastry like a donut you can dunk it in hot chocolate kind of things it's really really tasty it's actually one of my favorite breads hands down and it's a very sort of common sight in Mexican supermarkets that you'll see it about a month before, kind of like in the UK when you see Christmas chocolates out and about or mince pies in the run up to Christmas. You know that Day of the Dead is coming along those lines as well. Other things you'll leave as well are flowers and we'll leave, and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but Sempasuchil. And Sempasuchil is uh, marigolds. And mari uh, Sempasuchil literally means 20 petaled flowers, I believe, or it can also mean Flor de Muerto, which means flower of the dead. And the idea, and if you've seen the movie Coco, the idea is that those orange pathways are marigolds. And it's used to decorate graves, but also in our ofrendas, in our altars, what we will do is we will pick the petals and sort of like, sort of almost like lay a path from our front door to wherever our altar is, wherever our ofrenda is. And the idea is that it's designed to guide the spirits of the dead to our friend so that they can come and visit us okay um it has a really amazing smell as well and right now 
Mexico. It's seasonal to Mexico right now, so it is ubiquitous across Mexico. It has this fantastic orangey smell. And so this time of year, you can just sort of smell this kind of like orangey, fresh kind of smell. It's almost like how cinnamon or pine is like a smell of Christmas. The smell of marigolds or cempasuchil is the smell, the smell of uh, Christmas, um, not Christmas, it's the smell of Day of the Dead as well. So yeah, the, the idea is that Zempasuchi will sort of guide the death, uh, the students, um, not the students, <laughs> I'm getting all my words mixed up, will guide the spirits of the dead towards the ofrenda so they can come and visit you. You also burn incense as well. Uh, in, and so, for example, this would, we call it gopal. Uh, it's just a very strong type of incense. It doesn't really smell, sim it smells kind of similar to the incense you would get at a you know, in a joystick kind of form, but it's a little bit stronger, a little bit more accurate as well. Uh, you also decorate um, with, uh, decorate your friender around with rice paper that's cut out into very intricate patterns. We call this papel picado, and it's very, very fine. And the idea as well is that it will flutter around and sort of create a sort of very nice atmosphere as well. There's a few other things as well you have to put, um, you can put sort of, uh, uh, earth to sort of like guide or to like represent the elements as well in your friender. It can just be a little pot of things. Um, you can create, um, sometimes you might have like little Mexican statues as well as skeletons as well to encourage the dead. This is where the famous Katrina comes from as well. It's a female skeleton sort of dressed in the style of a very upper middle class woman from the Victorian area. Uh, and this is depicts kind of like a contemporary figure, figure of skeletons and things like that as well. Uh, other things that people include as well would be candles, obviously. So you've, you've built this ofrenda that's covered with flowers, uh, sugar, that's covered with paper all over the place, cloth, incense, and you just decide to put candles around it as well. So it is something that you include. You have to watch it quite often as well, because it is, you've basically constructed a fire hazard in your living room. Uh, so you have to make sure that you're on it the whole time. And then the ofrendas as well would be decorated with fruits and food to entice, uh, entice your, your loved ones in. Um, typical fruits would be just generic fruits like oranges and things like that, but also sugar cane, like actually like a solid lump of sugar cane and things like that. You would have to leave water, salt, I think rice and beans, but I'm not a hundred percent sure like dried rice and beans. I always, we always leave it out. I leave it out for my family because my family's Asian, so I always leave some rice out. Um, but also we would leave out things as well, like their favorite types of food. So if you wanted a, to remember a specific family member and you knew that they loved, for example, Cadbury's chocolate, you would leave a bar of Cadbury's chocolate out. Uh, you'd also leave things out as well as water, their favorite drinks and things that they would enjoy consuming as well. So often things like tequila and things like that and beers. You can even leave cigarettes out and stuff like that. It's the only time of the year that me and my wife go and purchase cigarettes. And it's because we'll leave a cigarette out for some of our family members who would smoke. Okay, uh, We're the only people to buy cigarettes and then not smoke them. So we would leave things like that as well, and you can just leave whatever you want. Also, you would put up pictures on the ofrenda to remember the people who have died as well. And this can be from pretty much, you know, from any moment or any any specific moment in history that you find, or any specific moment in time in your family's history. If you want to remember them, you leave a picture up as well, okay? There is a couple of rules to this as well. In theory, you shouldn't leave an, or produce, like make an ofrenda for someone who has died within the last year which I always find a little bit odd, um, but I think that's a rule that's kind of fading away. 
And the idea is that you can just pretty much just sit and be with the people who are around you, you kind of like sit a vigil and it's just like a, a, a nice evening in basically is the best way I can describe it. And, you know, sort of like the activities you would do at this time, there's nothing fancy or, or anything specific or any kind of ritual you would do. You just sort of sit and reminisce basically, I think it's the best way you can describe it. Anyway, so you're with me on the late show with me rich wrigley and we're talking about day of the dead and sort of like the holidays and customs of day of the dead in mexico but also we're going to be talking a little bit about how we celebrate and remember day of the dead in mexican schools uh, in a little bit of time i'd love to hear your questions if you have any questions about day of the dead in general please just drop me a line i would be very very happy to uh, answer any questions or misconceptions people might have or anything they want cleared up i think the biggest misconception is that in the Day of the Dead, it's almost like Mardi Gras or uh, Carnival, that we would have a parade with lots of skulls and like, you know, like paper mache of skulls and things like that. That's used to not be the case. And it used to actually be sort of a, a misconception that we would do things like that until the second to last James Bond film was filmed here in Mexico City. And there was, was it Skyfall? I can't remember which one it was. Sky Spectra or something like that. You can tell I'm not, I'm not a James Bond fan, but it was the one where there, where James Bond was like sort of like hiding for cover within Day of the Dead in like a Mexican parade. Well, basically they filmed that right here in the middle of Mexico City, and they left all the props behind. So the Mexican government went, "We've got a load of free props that were used for a parade about Day of the Dead." Okay, let's do a Day of the Dead parade then, I guess. And so because of the James Bond film, there is now a regular parade for Day of the Dead. Obviously, that stopped a little bit last year and most likely this year because of the pandemic and because of COVID. So, for example, last year, a lot of the restrictions we had was people were, in, were strongly encouraged not to go to strongly encouraged not to go to the cemeteries to visit, uh, to pay respects to uh, their loved ones. They, in fact, actually closed a vast majority of them. I'm imagining that will probably be the case again this year as well, um, even though I seem to always be talking about COVID updates, and I bet everyone is on other radio shows as well. But we would do the same. We've opened up a little bit. We've gone to our lowest sort of level of danger on a traffic light system called green. So it might be the case that we're opened up a little bit, but people here are being quite cautious. So I imagine it's not going to be as busy as in normal years for want of a better word um so in a second we're just going to pause briefly to listen to the news um in a second we're going to talk about how is day of the dead celebrated inside of mexican schools what do we do what kind of activities do we do but also we talk about like i'm going to briefly talk about sort of like how we can incorporate this into helping students uh, undergoing bereavement and how it can be a positive thing to to look at that. So yeah, we're just going to pause briefly for the news. And you're listening to The Late Late Show with me, uh, Rich Wrigley on Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Department for Education has released statistics 
showing that for 2019 to 2020, around 40% of 19-year-olds did not achieve a Level 3 qualification, either an Advanced Apprenticeship, a BTEC or an A-Level. These figures illustrate that progress has stalled since 2013. This is happening at the same time as sectors with some of the highest job vacancies are experiencing some of the biggest drop-offs in participation in education training. Labour's Shadow Education Secretary, Kate Green, reacted to the figures by stating, Families are feeling the brunt of the Conservatives' failure to deliver the skills and training opportunities our country needs. With shelves left empty, petrol pumps running dry and the risk of Christmas chaos. Under the Conservatives, skills and vocational training have been overlooked and undervalued. Ministers must get serious and start matching rhetoric with reality. A Department for Education spokesperson said, We have put skills at the heart of our plans, making sure everyone has the opportunity to get the training and qualifications they need to get a good job. To support young people, we increased 16 to 19 funding for 2021 to 2022 by £291 million, in addition to the £400 million awarded in the 2019 spending review. In 2020 to 2021, the funding available for employers to invest in apprenticeships remains at around £2.5 billion double that spent in 2010 to 2011 in cash terms. The Sutton Trust has released the results of new research, which suggests significant gaps in progression and earnings following post-16 education. The report suggests that those who attend a sixth form institution were less likely to progress to higher education than those with similar disadvantages who attend a further education college. It also states that disadvantaged students are less likely to progress to higher education than their advantaged classmates, regardless of setting. The report also states that by 28, the earnings gap between further education students and their sixth form counterparts was 15% compared to 11% and calls for the reversal of underfunding for post-16 education and the extension of the National Tutoring Programme to post-16. The founder and chair of the Sutton Trust and chair of the Education Endowment Foundation, Sir Peter Lampe, said that disadvantage continues after the age of 16. Further education colleges play a vital role in providing a bridge between school and university or the workplace. It is crucial that colleges are well funded so they can give the best support they can, particularly in the wake of the pandemic. This has been your daily education news briefing. Okay, thank you. So you're listening to the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. We're talking about Day of the Dead. We've sort of talked about well, the holiday here in Mexico. We've talked briefly, for those of you just joining us, about what 
you've uh, what is day of the dead how we celebrate it here kind of clearing up any misconceptions that people have about how we celebrate it um if you have any questions please do message in i'd love to answer any questions you all have about uh, day of the dead and we're going to talk a little bit now about how how we actually celebrate this in Mexican schools. So, well, first off, Day of the Dead is a bank holiday for most people. I don't believe it's an official national holiday, but schools do have both days off, or at least one of the days off. Um, we don't officially have a half term here, which kind of is terrible, but luckily the school I'm currently working at has managed to negotiate that we basically have the two days off for both Days of the Dead, as well as the following few days. So we managed to stretch it out and have a full half term. I've worked in schools here where you don't have a half term. So you start teaching at the end of August, you get a couple of bank holidays, you get like a bank holiday off for Independence Day on the 15th of September, the bank holidays for Day of the Dead and the bank holiday later in November, but they're just basically long weekends and you teach all the way through to, you teach all the way through to December. So it's a 20, I think the record was a 21 week term. So if anyone is complaining in the UK about how tired they are after a six week term, I sympathize 100 percent, but I just nod and go, mm, yes, I've taught a 21 week term. <laughs> so anyway, so luckily for me, the school I'm working at has managed to negotiate with the authorities here that we actually combine those holidays together and get a half term, we kind of like mix a few bank holidays and take more. So we have a week off and it means we have a week off always at the first of November basically around those times. The first week in November we have off. Now that means as well that obviously students aren't able to celebrate in school on the day, um, but we do a lot of activities in school in the run-up to Day of the Dead. So right now we've got a week to go to Day of the Dead and so a lot of the activities we'll be doing in school are related to that. This year it's a little bit more subdued because we're teaching in a hybrid model at the moment. It means that not all students are in school, some are still online and obviously we have to take into account things like physical distancing and making sure students are safe inside of the school while we're doing activities because unlike the UK government we've realized that Covid is airborne and contagious so we still have to take into account things like making sure all the students wear masks, making sure all the students are physically distanced as much to the best of our abilities, making sure the rooms are at minimum capacity and all of those kind of things. So this year we're doing a scaled back version of day of their celebrations. What we normally do, so I'll talk about what we do in normal times, is in the school I'm currently working at, working at we see it as an activity for sort of some, almost some quasi inter-house competition. So we have four houses and each house will build one very big offering or offender. And it's normally a generic offender and the things that we will include have to sort of like educate the students about what we include in an offender. So basically all of the things I've said uh, to you earlier, we make sure we try and include them and students are responsible. Some students are responsible for the construction, some students are responsible for making the papel picado, some students are responsible for making paper marigolds, some students are responsible for bringing in X, Y and Z and it becomes a team building exercise along those lines. The other things we would do at the same time is that we would also sort of mix this in with Halloween celebrations. And so we would have, you know, a fancy dress day for Halloween. And it would be something that in normal times, we would do something like a Halloween parade at that time as well, where students would, you know, like different students would compete in different categories, like scariest costume or 
costume best related to a certain theme or whatever. Um, we're still doing that this year, but obviously we're not doing things like parades and things like that because we're trying to keep <laughs> keep it as safe as humanly well, as safe as physically possible. Um, other things that we would do as well is we would write sort of uh, little poems. I think they're called cavalaritas, which I'm saying really, really badly, but they're little poems to the dead and things along those lines. In previous schools where I've worked, some of the things that you would include, some of the things that you would include are things. Oh, it, it's organized a little bit differently from school to school. So one of the school, the previous school I worked in, the things that you would include, it would be a competition, not a competition, but it would be a, an activity or a challenge between tutor groups, between form groups. So when I was a form tutor in that, in my previous school, we would organize ourselves into groups. And depending on what year group you had, if you had like a younger year group, like a key stage three group, you would guide them a lot in what they need to do and what they need to build and you would pick a person or a group of people that you wanted to honor in that ofrenda. Normally it would be something, a person that is a very of historical note, um, but also it could be someone in the media who had died recently. And we would follow the rule of they have to have died after, a year has to have passed after they have died basically for us to honor them in our ofrenda. Um, this the people that my students picked in the past has varied. So, for example, obviously being a physics teacher and a space teacher, one of the things we did was honour all of the people who have died um, as astronauts or test pilots in the space race, for example. And in those ofrendas, you would leave the traditional materials. So obviously the traditional things like candles, flowers, de muerto, food and all of those things. But you would also leave things that are related to them. So we used to... so. In that case, we made like a big astronaut suit and put it in our ofrenda. We left pictures of the people there. We had models of the space shuttle and things like that. And we included those as well in our ofrenda. Other people that we've celebrated in the past have been, it's varied wildly from school to school. I started teaching in Mexico the year before Steve Jobs died, which shows you how old I am. So obviously a couple of years after that, pretty much every Every group wanted to honor Steve Jobs and you would do things like building an iPod and things like that. But we've also had people, literary characters. One of my group wanted to honor Coco Chanel for some reason. So we honored Coco Chanel. We built an ofrenda looking at Coco Chanel. And one student wanted to honor Ryan Dunn, the, <laughs> the person from the guy who died in the Jackass series. He died, I don't know, it must have been about 12 years ago. So they made a big shopping cart and made a big ofrenda centering around a shopping cart. It can be really kind of like sort of open-ended and fun and more of a celebration and a remembrance of that person's life story. Obviously there's a lot more interesting things that, like interesting and more relevant characters or relevant people like famous politicians, famous people from history, famous literary characters, famous people related to Mexican history and the Mexican Revolution and things like that. And this is done throughout all, back, uh, from all age ranges. So you start off like very, very young. You might do it with your tutor group in a key stage three tutor group, but then it would go up to key stage four. You don't have to sort of hold their hand as much and explain what they need to do. By that point, they kind of pretty much understand completely what they need to build or how they need to honor it. And then the next bit is um, when you go up to like key stage five tutor groups, which is what I've had a lot in the past, the students know exactly what they want to do. And I had basically a group of physicists in charge of 
um, in charge of <laughs> an ofrenda one year. They wanted to honor Moctezuma, which was the, who was the last, or Montezuma, as you would say in sort of an anglicized version, the last emperor, emperor of the Mexica Empire before Cortes came, before the Spanish came and overthrew them. Um, and so they basically build, built a, a, a six foot tall mini pyramid out of wood and painted it. And then because they were physics students, they decided to be incredibly nerdy and get an Arduino and hook up LEDs so that instead of using candles, the ofrenda would glow <laughs> and change colors and alternate colors along those lines and things like that. So it really varies. And then it continues when students go to university, the National Autonomous University of Mexico, or we say UNAM for short, because that's how it's spelt in Spanish. Um, they will have ofrendas as well, and different faculties will build very, very large ofrendas, and these will take up like the size of a room almost, basically. And again, it will continue, it will have all the major aspects of what you expect in an ofrenda, but it's also a great way of like being very creative and showing off your creative sort of skills and building a very kind of very beautiful, ornate, intricate object. I remember when I first arrived here that well, the second time I arrived here that I had a training course here at this school called Introduction to Mexican Culture. Now, by this point, I'd already lived in Mexico in the past for four years and I was married to a Mexican. So I was like, I think I got this. But obviously I went because I was new to the school and the I actually ended up learning a lot of things. And one of the things was that Mexico, the, the person offering this training course was saying is that Mexicans value beautiful things, very intricate, very delicate things that are very well handcrafted. And that really spills in to how uh, Mexico values sort of things like the ofrendas and things <laughs> along those lines as well. Um, so for those of you just joining us, welcome. You're listening to The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley, on Teachers Talk Radio. We're talking about how we celebrate um, Day of the Dead here in Mexican schools. What is Day of the Dead? If you have any questions or any, um, if you'd like to answer anything in particular, please give me a shout. Please message in. I'd love to answer any questions that you have. And we'll continue discussing Day of the Dead in Mexican schools here on Teachers Talk Radio. I think one of the things that's really, really important for us here in Mexican schools is that it allows us to have an open and frank conversation about death, <laughs> which is something that we need in, in all schools basically as well. So obviously just a little bit of content warning here, I'll probably talk a little bit more about death in detail. So if that's something that bothers you, just let me know right now. But one of the things I found in British schools is that, and working in British schools here, is that we don't have a culture of uh, bereavement. Now, I think that's slowly or how to help people, I should say, with bereavement. Now, that's something that's slowly changing, I think, in the in the years that I've been teaching. And there are a lot of great organizations such as Child Bereavement UK that you can uh, get a lot of great CPD, a lot of great training for, for people. But what I found was that I've been working in schools and children have suffered uh, or undergone a bereavement, whether it's either a close family member or a friend or something along those lines. And sometimes I find the school can be a little unprepared uh, for, for dealing with that. And I think a lot, I think that in Mexican schools, it's the same thing. I don't, like Mexican schools, a lot like UK schools, don't really have a bereavement policy like we have, like there's recommended. And it's something that schools are sort of trying to implement slowly over time. We don't really have that. But I do think we have sort of almost a healthy outlook to death or that students are exposed to understanding what death is and being able to process it 
and deal with it in a in a healthy way and being able to talk about it and being able to celebrate things now i know that not all of my students believe in god and a lot of them are not religious some are religious obviously mexico is a predominantly catholic country even though it's actually not officially a catholic country it's not the state religion it's a secular society but 95 percent of people are Catholic, you would say. Um, so a lot of people are Catholic, but there's a lot of students who aren't religious. I myself am not religious either, but I found that this is a really good way of actually opening up with students and talking about death, talking about a bereavement, talking about losing a loved one, and actually being able to celebrate and have rituals, for want of, for want of a better word, or routines in place to help students and young people deal with the loss of a loved one or a loss of a friend. Um, it's something that's really helped me as well. So obviously in my, my family, uh, there's been a lot of bereavements over the years, and this has actually been a really, really nice way for me to actually remember and almost kind of visit with family members who have died. And it's something that I really, really enjoy and really, really look forward to <laughs> every year. Not just because it's like, oh, it's spooky and oh, it's fashionable, but it actually has a deeper meaning. And it means uh, to me that even though I don't 100% believe this, obviously I'm not religious, but it means that my family are coming to visit, if that makes sense. So it's in the run up to it, I think about what am I, what food am I gonna put out on the ofrenda? So for example, for my mum, I would leave out dal or dal, and I would leave out rice, and I would make sure I leave out spicy food. For my nan, I'll make sure I leave out a, a glass of brandy because my nan liked a glass of brandy. For uh, for my grandfather on my dad's side, I, he loved peaches and carnation milk, so I'll leave those out. I'll leave out chocolate for my grandmother. I'll leave out pears for my grand, my other grandfather because he really loved pears. I'll leave out a cricket ball, <laughs> for example, as well, because my grandfather really, really loved cricket. And you just do things like that. We'll leave out a baseball for my wife's grandfather and things like that because he really loved uh, baseball and things like that. You can do pretty much anything you want. You can leave out toys on the first day as well for the for the children. There's one rule that I really dislike, especially if you're leaving tequila out and brandy out, and that's that you're not allowed to eat or consume anything that is on the ofrenda after Day of the Dead. One reason is obviously it's been out for two days. So Mexico City is not in the tropics. It's not warm uh, right now. It's the average temperature outside is around 20 degrees going down to 10 degrees depending on the temperature of the, of the climate so but it's still pretty gross obviously after a certain amount of time to to consume those things the other thing is it's considered bad luck or that basically you've reason you've left that food out is for the spirit or the essence or whatever you want to say of the put of your of your loved one is going to consume that so if you eat it it's already being eaten by someone else is the thought so it's kind of not disrespectful but i don't know if it's considered disrespectful or considered bad luck or something along those lines um, and there's a bit of a superstition that you've eaten something that the dead have eaten so it can make you like make you feel unwell in your stomach i don't know if that's an old wives tale or a thing that mums would say to <laughs> to children saying like don't eat that chocolate that we've left out because it's going to go bad but it is one of those things as well. So that's the only thing that I really dislike about Day of the Dead is that you can't consume the food that you leave on the altar. Right. So we're going to pause there for a second, and we're going to some we're going to pause here for the news, and then we've got another ten minutes or so 
on the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. Uh, we're talking about Day of the Dead and how you can celebrate Day of the Dead, what it means to what it means in schools, but also what it means to Mexican families. So we'll pause for the news and you're listening. Oh, sorry. We'll pause for some commercials and you're listening to the Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people-pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses? All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Okay, and welcome back to The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. We're going to wrap things up here because I've pretty much talked about everything I can think about about um, <laughs> Day of the Dead. If anyone has any questions, please shout out right now and I'll try and answer them very quickly. Uh, but in general, it's just a great work. In general, for me, it's one of my favorite holidays in the world. It's one of the favorite holidays that I've been privileged enough to be able to adopt uh, because of my Mexican in-laws and my Mexican family. And I encourage people to read up about it and also to celebrate it in your own way. It's just a really nice time to sort of leave some things out that people like. For me, I find it really enjoyable because I think about what food I'm going to leave out. I start preparing food and it's a nice way for me to reminisce and make the food that my family would eat when I was younger. And so that means I get to share it with a lot of people as well. I get to share it with my family here now as well. So it's something that's really, really meaningful to me. It also means that I get to share and sort of celebrate and put in my own heritage. So for example, like I will leave out dal, I'll leave out rice. So it's a way of sort of remembering my own Anglo-Indian roots and my own sort of ancestry and my own heritage, as well as remembering my loved ones as well. And then it's just a really great opportunity to reminisce and tell really nice stories about your family members who are no longer with you. Um, anyway, that's it from me on The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley. We're going to finish up there. I'm off next week because it is Day of the Dead. So I will be on half term and I'm going to be probably having some family members over whether I know they're there or not. Um, but thank you so much for listening to The Late Late Show with me, Rich Wrigley, and I will see you in two weeks' time. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. 
We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.